everyone. Welcome to Risk Roundup. As India integrates Aadhaar ID to its government, financial, social, healthcare, and other systems, there are growing concerns that the system is not equipped to identify and authenticate an individual, nor is it designed to certify the process of delivery of subsidies, benefits, and services. The mandatory linkage of the other ID is becoming a cause of great concern as it fundamentally threatens governance, financial security, rule of law, and the very promise of justice, equality, liberty, and dignity made by the Constitution. To discuss complex legal, regulatory, and security challenges of India's Aadhaar ID payment system and the universal payment interface, I'm delighted to welcome Professor Subhajit Basu to this up. Dr. Basu is an Associate Professor in Information Technology Law, Cyber Law, Chair by Lita, Editor at IRLCT, School of Law, University of Leeds, based in UK. Welcome, Professor Basu. We are honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Uh, thank you, Jayashri. Thank you for inviting me. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Wonderful, Professor Basu. So it seems that the other ID, the, based on the reports that are emerging, that it has denied benefits, rights, and entitlements to crores of Indians, declaring them as non-existent. Various Indian databases, if we see, I mean, based on the reports, are that they are full of fraudulent and duplicate identities. And as the UID, that is the Aadhaar ID, denies benefits, rights, and entitlements to crores of Indians, declaring them as non-existence, what happens to their rights? Well, it's very interesting because when Aadhaar started, the whole project started, it was meant to be, meant to give access, benefit, social benefit access to people who didn't, for whatever reason, received uh, that welfare support as efficiently as the government would have wanted. Now, Aadhaar was supposed to help the poorer people. They, um, but unfortunately, Aadhaar has a failure rate of 6%. So one in five uh, people have failed their authentication process while registering or authenticating while the process of authentic authentication went on. Which means in a country like India, if you look at with 1.2 billion population, this failure rate is quite high. Now, Aadhaar was always supposed to be uh, voluntary. It became mandatory since 2016 onwards, around about 2014 onwards after the new government came into power. The government thought of making others much, much more uh, necessary for uh, attaching uh, for uh, getting access to government scheme. After the Aadhaar Act was passed in 2016, uh, suddenly it what was originally thought as an optional voluntary system became completely mandatory system. Now, Supreme Court got involved in this process, and the Supreme Court said that look you cannot deny access to a particular service just because there was a failure in the authentication system it was that whole controversy the debate was supposed to stop at that point but as you know in a country like india the orders that get dictated from the top really reaches the bottom and when it reaches the bottom it gets interpreted in 10 different ways so even though the law doesn't stipulate it to be mandatory, even though the Supreme Court is saying that you cannot make access to the welfare benefits 
um, deny access to the welfare benefits on based on the failure of authentication. But there are instances where people has been refused those accesses. So a system which was created at the very beginning, or at least dreamed at the very beginning, to benefit the poorer people in the country, actually became a detrimental effect or a hindrance to those very people who it wanted to serve in the first place or very, help in the first place. Very true, because see, this UID number is just a random number that is assigned. Yes. And especially this is this is very interesting because it is assigned to unverified and unaudited data submitted by private enrollment agencies. Because whenever when this enrollment happened at the national level, there was no process established to identify or authenticate an individual. So anybody with, you know, papers would come and, you know, give their biometric data and there is no way to know whether that person is who that person, you know, claims to be. And there was never verification. There was never audit of the data. So this UID database, it seems that, you know, it has never been audited by the uh, authority CAG or the Registrar General of India. So how did this number, this UI Aadhaar ID, the UIDA established how many of the billion numbers they issued were to genuine citizens with a proof of residence and how many were fraudulent identities because there was no way to identify or authenticate any individual based on the process that was followed by for enrolling all the citizens. I, I'm, I'm glad you raised the issues. Um, I actually have visited some of those private uh, places where you could enroll. Uh, for first of all, the security system in those places were absolutely shambolic. Okay, the worst one was India has a weird sense and understanding of privacy, and Indians have a quite a cavalier approach towards privacy. I, I won't even go towards the data protection side of it. I'm just start, uh, starting with the whole privacy aspects. I mean, we are very philosophical about privacy. We don't, uh, you know, we don't much care about privacy. So in this very small rooms, people with biometric scanners and, you know, were sitting there. And as you know, a country with 1.2 bill, 1 billion population. So in outside that room, there will be at least 200 people queuing up. And you could hear anything and everything. So you could hear the person's date of birth. I will come to your point first, uh, a bit later. I'll say you could hear people's date of birth getting checked, okay, name getting checked, address getting checked. These are confidential personal data, which people should not know. At least 200 other people who are standing there shouldn't get to know because date of birth is very personal. So that is one side, okay. There was very little security aspect. The other side was, the documents which you actually said, the documents you were taking with them, or somebody knowing you, okay, could tell you, okay, this person is, you know, whoever I'm telling you is. And based on that, you are creating that identity. Okay. Or you could take your voter ID card or ration card or 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 PAN card to prove who you are. There were quite a few, quite a few examples of um, you know, where kind of fraudulent identity was created. One particular individual created an Aadhaar card in name of Hanumanji, and he wrote it, Hanumanji. And he got, what happened? He, When he gave his 
biometric details. His uh, fingerprints couldn't be scanned or so something happened and he got very annoyed with it and it got, got the application rejected. So what he did, he second time applied it with the same fingerprint scan, put the name Hanumanji, wrote, I'm father is Pavan, okay, wrote everything about it, the mythological and the religious character, gave Hanumanji's, you know, photograph, which we see on the internet and, you know, people worship with wearing pearl, and got the ID card, that Aadhaar card, got it. Mm. That's it. And nobody checked it because, because the system only checks against duplication. It doesn't check. Most of the time, there is no human check with the authentication system, whether this person is actually the person they're claiming to be. So for a significant period of time, there wasn't a system in place which will ensure that the num that this number which has been given is given to a real person or to a buffalo because there were instances where aadhaar card was issued to animals yes it's yes. not supposed to be very true so this that's the challenge that this complex ecosystem and the processes that were followed for the creation of these you know aadhaar id records and data it provided so many opportunities to create fraudulent records or even create, you know, ghosts and duplicates and all that. I mean, like you said, you know, now they have a process to just uh, weed out the duplicates, but uh, they don't have a process to identify the challenges like, you know, you just yeah. told about the Hanuman, you know, and creating bogus IDs and ghost IDs. So the question is that Aadhaar does not identify anyone or cannot identify anyone or cannot authenticate anyone. So the question is, why is it in use in the way it is being used right now in India? Well, it's quite interesting. Aadhaar was not supposed to, it's a number, which is not supposed to be an identification document. It was supposed to be an, a number which will help to identify an individual. It became an identification document. Okay, it then behaved like an identification docu document. Now, the number was supposed to make that connection between the service provider here, the government, the benefit service providers, and an individual. Okay, and it was never meant to be rolled out for 1.2 billion people. Okay, it was meant to be rolled out for a for a significant number of people in stages, particularly people who would have to have access to these benefits. Like you, you know, to reduce their kerosene fraud, okay, the underprivileged could get kerosene in India, or child, you know, child benefit, or Pradhan Mantri Dhan Yojana, those, those support welfare systems. But those benefits goes to a limited number of people mostly people in village villages and mostly people coming from backward classes or economically in deprived conditions it was never meant to be a, a document which will prove somebody's identity but once it was rolled out once people found out that there is you know there is a benefit of using it to prove identity because people thought that this number has been created when this was created the identity has been checked and that was where the mistake was made yes the identity was checked against documents that were provided what if those documents itself at the were were fraudulent there was no check mechanism in place in at that point of time. 
and you at the top of that you got the biometric information added to it which make it even more valuable so people then thought okay i have a starting point now okay the bank financial institution said i will be using this starting point to open bank accounts the telecom regulator said okay i can use this starting point to ensure when people mobile phones get uh, people apply for mobile phone connection it will become mandatory that you have to give the other number so people started using it as if it is an identification document okay people saw it as if this is the end point of identification but they didn't look at it that it is not the end point of identification it was one of the means of identification very true very true and even no one from the uida or even the government even signed the aadhar card that is mailed back to all these you know people who uh, enrolling this system so the very same organizations that were declared by the uida as holding databases full of ghosts and duplicates they were asked to serve as registrars to the enrollment process so the question is how is this legal well it is legal because of the legislation you know the aadhar act of 2016 it allows them to do, do the legislation allows them to to gather this information and under section 57 of the legislation which will probably get amended because of the supreme court judgment um private entities could could use this you know number for authentication purposes so the law allowed them so it's it's legal from that point of view and if you if you look at uh, the supreme court case last which passed its judgment last year uh, end of september supreme court didn't say that it is unconstitutional four against one justice chandrachur was the dis- uh, dissenting judge and he questioned a lot of things under the legislation okay but other four judges didn't think other was unconstitutional and the reason they give number of reasons one of the reasons they gave and which was kind of a philosophical reason is that in a country as big as india if you want to get benefit for the greater if you want to do something for the greater good there will be instances where you know rights can be threatened but it's a question of how do we Uh, get a balance between right to privacy in one side or secret right to privacy and security in one side and then right to maybe access to welfare benefits or food or education uh, on the, on the other side and if even the even the judges thought well it's not actually by itself uh, a bad idea you know yeah yeah i hear you on that and uh, i mean that there are other serious charges also you know against these other ids that the uid number which is replacing the rbi reserve bank of india's payment system yes. like and because the, it this is an unauditable payment system built by yes. a non government private company the national payment corporation of india yes. to transfer money between the uid numbers instead of the bank account numbers so they are yes. looks like they are sidelining the bank account numbers so as bank account numbers get sidelined and this serious red flags to a system that determines the economic and legal health of a nation because there are growing concerns that aadhar id is becoming a platform for money laundering and cyber laundering of subsidies benefits and services well the government's argument is this is actually the government actually arguing that this is 
very much the opposite that this number will stop money laundering because this number will ensure there is a there is a paper trail there is a trail on or digital connections you can you can make through this number and this payment system which has been set up their argument is you do not need the bank uh, bank uh, bank account number anymore because the bank account number is connected to this number okay so you you know a you will know b and c so that is their argument so they want to sidetrack it okay completely and and this is how it has been functioning but this is the only the first time ever in the world you know there have been few other countries like kenya uh, nigeria and some of other other african countries uh, vietnam who are experimenting on on creating this udi system you know a system which will create digital inclusion okay but none of them are perfect and most of them are looking at india as a model but my argument is some of the things that government like the payment transfer system you are talking about has tried to do has undermined the existing system okay and that is where the problem is my problem is why do you want to when you have a financial is long established financial institution norms of using bank account numbers to transfer money why aren't you using that sort of thing rather than creating a number in order to do the work okay so the objective is good but my argument is that method to achieve that goal is controversial okay and i hear you on that and uh, for the disbursement of the funds to beneficiaries even the government they would need to have some information about who who is in the beneficiary database and who is uh, and who is maintaining the database and it would need to have information about how to identify the ghosts like you said before that they do have a process to identify duplicates but how to identify ghosts in these databases and the stamps that will result in uh, this you know all these processes in this ghost while creating and maintaining the database that all needs to be defined and verified and audited and it would need to have some information about the steps of transferring money from the consolidated fund of india to the beneficiaries uh, do we see the proper processes established for such you know information and you know in uh, ensuring that the right benefits goes to right people because a lot of reports are emerging that you know the beneficiaries of uh, all these uh, uh, social services and uh, it's just going to the wrong fraudulent people it is, this is this is where the problem is and you actually identify the problem look whatever data that is coming out whatever report that is coming out from the government they are showing reports which shows that aadhar has saved so many billions of you know dollars in the process uh, for you know identifying fraudulent people or people who never existed children who never existed uh, for uh, midday meals those those sort of those sort of things so they are saying that look aadhar has managed to root out that problem but what they are not saying what sort of problem other created okay how many ghost beneficiaries other created in this process there is no auditing yes okay it is very much controlled by this institute u u udi okay who doesn't get audited okay it is under the ministry it is not an independent body it self regulates itself 
Okay, it's on, under 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 the other uh, other act. I think section twenty three. It has extensive power, no accountability, no responsibility. And whenever you try to discuss this with the members of UDI, they will say this is a foolproof system. But they will never say where has been the unauthorized access. They will say there hasn't been any data breaches. Okay, there hasn't been any data breaches, okay, not from UDI itself, but there has been instances where websites have made people's UDI numbers, you know, other numbers available. At the same same time, there has been unauthorized access to those those data accounts. There have been creation of those accounts at the at the first place, because this authority doesn't have any accountability and responsibility. You cannot question them. You cannot question them. Yes, you have created it, and you are claiming that you have solved the problem of bogus claimers. But how many bogus claimers have you created in this process because you do not have a system in place which ensures the identity of that individuals in the first place? That is how very, how very, can a buffalo get away with a, a UDI number? That is very interesting. You are absolutely right about that. The identification, authentication, auditing, all these are serious, you know, uh, concerns. And um, there is also emerging concerns that is Aadhaar actually a proof of delivery? Because how do you, you know, verify that uh, whoever was supposed to be the beneficiary, actually those people were the beneficiaries and that somebody else didn't you know receive that it seems that it is not even a proof of delivery no it isn't you know there is too much reliance on the others to deliver there's too much reliance on other itself the number itself that that this is foolproof and this is what uh the uh, udi has always been saying that this is foolproof but so far there hasn't been any auditing independent auditing done to show that yes what you are, what the government is claiming, what UDI is claiming is actually true. Whoever has raised any voice against it uh, has has pretty much has been discredited or you know has been criticized vehemently, saying that this is world's largest uh, pro process of creating a unified number uh, for benefit of so many people. It will have flaws. It you know it is a is a trial and an error process. People learn. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. You know, as I've always said, even in, when I wrote for the for WAD, that it. You know, I, I said it created the world's largest biometric surveillance system. In principle, I'm not against it when it works for the benefit of the people, the poorer people in the country. What I'm opposed to is that this government's claim that it is foolproof. It has been well thought through. It hasn't been. The security measures that has been put in place the perimeter security measures which the government claims that there is a perimeter of security measures around it. No, it is not foolproof or as robust as it should be when you are collecting so many personal information about individuals. No. I, I agree with you on that. And the other challenge is it's not just the ID number, it's about the biometric data yes. that is associated with the number because they have taken the uh, the pig, I think, uh, pig, facial recognition image. And yeah, the, the, the image and the iris. I, iris scan and the yeah. fingerprint. 
fingerprint. And the fingerprints, yeah. You know, how do you, depending on what kind of conditions were there for taking the iris scan or the facial recognition, I mean, fingerprints, uh, all these things can be, you know, hacked, can be duplicated. And the, there is no assurance of how these biometric data is stored for uh, almost a billion people, you know, and that is where the bigger concerns are emerging about the biometric data. It's not only just the other ID number, but it's the biometric data that what are the steps being taken to ensure its security and that it's not being misused. And, you know, how do you even know that this biometric data belongs to this person? And uh, what are the, you know, ways to ensure the authenticity of the biometric data. That, this, is, this is another side of that. You are co collecting, the government has collected this biometric information of all this people, of this 1.2 billion people. Now there's, there's one very important. If you lose your biometric information, you lose it forever because your iris will not change. Yes. Your face, most of your facial features will not change. Your fingerprints will not change. It can get eroded. So losing this attributes which will definitely identify you um that means it's lost forever people can clone it people can use it and misuse it what is the security measure that has been put in place to keep them safe and secure government has never disclosed nobody has tested it there have been ethical hackers who ha have hacked into different you know websites got access to those numbers they got access to the biometric details even in fact one french um, security researcher actually got access to i think 100000 people i don't know the exact number it never did get disclosed um, but a significant number of people's biometric data from the from the system from the servers of udi and he said look i can access it and udi didn't believe him until he gave him gave them the evidence until he basically transferred a folder which contained biometric information of a significant number of people you know yeah. and and I hear you because I read somewhere that, uh, again, you know, these are reports emerging that uh, some you can buy in 500 Indian rupees yeah. the other ID number of uh, every Indian citizen. Yep. And, 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 and perhaps not the most smartest thing was done by the ex-chief of Telecom Regulatory uh, Authority. He challenged people on Twitter saying that this is my Aadhaar number, which was supposed to be confidential. And how can you how can you do it you know, holding a position such as as high as that? And said, can you do any harm? Within an hour, people started telling him his mobile number, his home address. Uh, people created uh, bank, bank details. People created Amazon uh, service accounts using his details. The government's response was, well, he's a public servant, so a lot of those information is already publicly available. No, a lot of those information wasn't publicly available. A considerable portion of that information was became, be, did become available because that other number is connected to a lot of other things. And people could then use that number to open account on, on Amazon, on Facebook, and get access to cloud services using his name and it went on and on and on but what it does show that this over adventurous government official you know in order to try to prove 
that look, it is a very secure thing. People can't, even if you lose your other number, nothing wrong can happen. Actually proved, yes, things can happen. Things can. But like you said before, that the uh, notion of privacy in India is very unique. You know, people are not concerned about their privacy. But when it comes to their security, when the bank accounts, you know, gets open in their name and when somebody would try to get a bank loan for, you know, their home and things like that will happen, then I think, you know, it would create bigger awareness about the complex security challenges that can emerge by, you know, people misusing or abusing the anybody's, you know, other ID or biometric data. So uh, that brings us a, you know, broader question that uh, all these, as we hear about all these reports emerging about the uh, vulnerabilities in all the systems because of the other ID, you know, linkage to uh, all the systems and because uh, of the lack of authentication, you know, and uh, identification and verification uh, processes, while the data clearly represents a shift towards a cashless economy, it seems that India, you know,'s desire is to become cashless, and you yes. know, we are taking steps towards that. But was India actually ready for this cashless cashless economy when they uh, defined, designed this system that would impact each and every individual all across nation? I mean, uh, all the states in India. No, this this is the thing. You know, this is this is the problem. The, the, the whole de- demonetization debate, the demonetization, you know, once for the first it started that is just to get rid of the black money from the economy, then it kind of moved towards, you know, this is about reducing the fake currency uh, from the from, from circulation. And then it become that there is a push towards a more of cashless economy. Now I have, I have actually argued in a number of places that other number is not the destination of the fraud. Other number is the starting point of the identity theft. Once government act made those connections, you know, kind of made it mandatory of your mobile phone, your bank account, your um, school's benefits to be connected, multiple things got connected to other number, one number. It created this honeypot, this huge thing, okay? Once you have access to that, you start a multiple, kind of start a chain reaction. Now, the government said that, look, now with this Aadhaar number, we can actually open this uh, zero balance account, okay? And between 2014, uh, 2016, no, sorry, 2015 and 2017, if you look at how many bank accounts were opened worldwide, around 55% came from India. And the reason for it was this demonetization. You know, you went to demonetization. You said, look, you have to use this electronic payment systems. If you do not use this electronic payment system, then you will lose out of the whole process. Now, is a country like India with 1.2 billion population, with 70% of the population living in rural India, going to be ready in five months, six months for a cashless or low cash, you know, or a complete digitized economy, which took a developed country 20 years to go through. How is it possible? You know, yes, it is a good thing for the country's future to move towards a cashless or less cash economy, but how can you do it in six months to a year or a two years time? What has taken a developed nation with a much smaller population, which a much literate population, um, years to develop. Well, okay. I think 
but th that point is excellent you know about the literacy because now we are going towards creating this digital system digital identification system and you know uh, most of the uh, population in india is not literate enough you know to understand how to secure their uh, identity or how to secure their phone or what steps to take what not to take even in developed nations computer literacy is a huge problem so uh, here we are talking about india where you know the literacy is already a complex you know problem and uh, on top of it when you add the computer literacy that is creating uh, you know many complex integrated problems for which most of the indian citizens are not uh, prepared for to protect themselves and then i don't even see effective institutions that could help them prepare or that could help them protect in case something goes wrong if something happens uh, there is nobody to look after your interest or nobody to get get your identity back or get you your security back you know or uh, the losses that you have incurred so uh, without do you do you see that we have uh, what is the state of this legal and regulatory and uh, institutions that you see in india are they prepared to deal with this enormous you know complex security challenges that uh, can emerge from this other uh, uh, id implementation and integration with all the systems in india no the, the short answer is no the reason the reason i say no is if you look at the other judgment which which was given by the supreme court uh, late last year one of the things supreme court highlighted saying that india needs a robust data protection law the whole security will come if india manages to create a data protection legislation now um i think the sri krishna Commission uh, sri krishna commission looked into creating the data protection law the personal data protection bill which was placed before which has no it hasn't been placed before the parliament but it's going you know the the, the draft bill has been made public what the security system the authentic, you know the responsibility and the liability system can only be put in place if you have a robust data protection law data protection law is that protection if anything goes wrong and that data protection law should create a, a regulatory body like what we have in in europe you know um, like in, in united kingdom we uh, the name of the body is called information commissioner's office it's an independent body which oversees data protection udi is not an independent body okay udi is in our terms udi is the data controller data processor um, UDI is also responsible for data grievances, and UDI is also expected to act against his own problem. So it is the judge, jury, and the executioner. Yes. Okay. How can how can you the very body which should be looked at independently from an outside organization now basically self-governs itself through the other act? And when the because of the Supreme Court judgment, the government again put forward the amendment to the Aadhaar Act, 2018, and again without actually passing the data protection bill into make it into legislation, government again trying to kind of you know go through the back door, made changes to the Aadhaar Act itself. Okay, got rid of Section 57, which gave private entities to use Aadhaar number for authentication, but give more power to UDI. But didn't think that in, at, in the end, the people, the citizens, they are going to suffer. 
and you do not have a protection mechanism in place, the Constitution, although gives right to privacy, but privacy is not same as data protection. And Justice Chandrachuri, in his dissenting judgment, has highlighted it that Aadhaar Bill itself creates problem for privacy. But I would go forward that Aadhaar Bill creates problem for not privacy; it creates problem for data protection. Okay, because India have got weird idea about about privacy. But what it creates more is whose liability is it? In case of a data breach, what do you approach? Whom do you approach? You do not have a right against a government, where the government is actually be responsible and could be responsible for the biggest data breach. Okay, there is no redressing mechanism in place because there is no law in place to provide that protection. And once the Supreme Court says that Aadhaar Act is not unconstitutional, there ends the whole matter. So it is not unconstitutional, but whose liability is it in case of a data breach? If you look at the GDPR, the European Data Protection Law, it has got such a robust provision in place in ensuring the liability. Okay, make uh, pinning the responsibility. If you are responsible for the data breach, the company will have to pay a huge compensation. Okay. It actually clearly states how the data will be collected, for what purpose it will be collected, how long it will be collected. Government, when it when it was using in the in the old in the existing data uh, Aadhaar Bill 2016, it says that that the the companies or the government which is using Aadhaar number for authentication can keep hold of that information for five years. Why do you need to keep hold of that information for five years? Supreme Court said you just needed to hold it for six years. But there is there is no legal underpinning apart from the judgment. And the judgment is technically pro-Adhar. But it has certain parts in the judgment which gives some ideas to how a protection framework can be created. But the Indian government, this you know, technically a bit of an authoritarian government completely ignored the need for creating a data protection provision. It said, okay, we are going through this consultation process. They didn't even place the bill in the in the houses of parliament, but they went ahead with amending Adha because they know that they have collected all this information. They have all this information. And, and, and remember one, one more important thing. All these mobile companies, these private companies have been collecting the Aadhaar number for authentication purposes. How do we know they have deleted that information? Supreme Court stipulated that you have to delete it. If they don't, how do you prosecute them? Where is the provision in the law which says you can prosecute because the, pro the law doesn't talk about deletion when its, when it's needs, need is gone? Only a data protection law can have such a, such provision, or you amend the other legislation in a way which will make it mandatory for deletion of those data which those companies have collected before the Supreme Court judgment. There are hundreds and thousands of companies, mobile companies, banks, you know, schools who have collected that other number, have collected that information and asked for that information for authentication purposes. They are not, they are now supposed to delete those information. So, but nobody knows if they have done it or not. Yeah, who ensures that? Whether they who ensures that? 
are right about it that I, I think you know it was a good idea their, their heart was in the right place to establish that national id system but they did not think of all the other you know processes that needs to be matured or established or the institutions or the framework or regulatory system that needed to be upgraded for you know mm -hmm. ensuring the security of this uh, initiative that was not in place and that's where you know a lot of complex challenges are emerging so what recommendations would you have for the uh, for india to where they should you know uh, look for you know other than you know data uh, protection law uh, what else they need to do to make sure that everybody is protected and that everyone's rights are protected and that the legal and regulatory system is mature enough to uh, manage any and all consequences of any security breach or data breach, you know, uh, that comes their way. Well, my, my first point is now the Supreme Court has passed the judgment. I cannot question is uh, unconstitutionality but i still think that that aadhar aadhar act needs significant amendments okay aadhar act as supreme court says is a voluntary mechanism but the new aadhar amendment bill which has been put in uh, in front of the houses of parliaments reintroduces it okay reintroduces it through a back door okay now that bill needs to be scrutinized there are provisions in that new amendment bill which actually contravenes what the Supreme Court judges judges had said. So the first step would be scrutinize that bill and it should become it should be thoroughly debated. And it should be debated not as a money bill. Remember the first other act was passed as a money bill which Apart from Justice Chandrachur, other other judges, honorable judges said, look, it, it's fine that it was a money bill. But Justice Chandrachur highlighted that, no, it, it, it wasn't acceptable as a money bill because it should have been debated in both houses of the parliament. Government introduced it as a money bill because they didn't have the majority in, in, the, in the upper house. So the amendment should not be placed as a money bill. Whoever comes to power in, after post-election, the amendment to the Aadhaar Act 2018 should not be placed as a money bill. It should be debated thoroughly through the Houses of Parliament. Okay. The second thing, important thing is in 2014, uh, sorry, in 2013, government said any bill placed before the Houses of Parliament will go through a thorough process of consultation, which they did in terms of the Data Protection Act, Data Protection Bill, but they didn't do it in terms of amendment to the uh, other, it should go through a process of public cons consultation. Public should have a right to express their opinion which provisions, the provisions which our government are trying to amend to circumvent some of the uh, suggestions given by the Supreme Court ju Honorable Judges. Again, it should be debated. That will give right to the people who are raising voices against the security aspect, against making this you know back doors open which the government is now trying to trying to do circumvent okay very true very true and i think you know uh, they need to be more inclusive towards the thought leaders yes. and yes. everyone who is trying to raise an issue they are not the enemies 
they yes. are trying to identify the gaps so that we can fill those gaps and make our national system more robust uh, to yep. security you know vulnerability so we they need to be more open minded so i hear you on that uh, that there needs to be a lot of amendments and that india needs to uh, mature uh, many of its systems legal regulatory uh, systems and established uh, uh, appropriate accountable institutions where citizens can can you know reach out to in case of uh, you know any of the security breaches and uh, any other concerns so thank you so much professor basu for participating in this round up today we appreciate your thoughtful insight on legal challenges of other rgs ecosystem and uh, even if a single decision maker decision maker can understand the complex legal and security challenges based on the discussion we had today this risk round up dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that thank you so much thank you for having me thank you wonderful professor basu basu so risk roundup a global initiative launched by risk group is a security risk reporting for risk emerging from existing and emerging technologies technology convergence and transformation happening across cyberspace geospace and space we at risk group believe that risk management security and peace they walk together hand in hand though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict and it is not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two all three concepts feed into each other we believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations tradition becomes our security so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the risk roundups, to watch the risk roundup webcast or hear the risk roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupllc.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayshree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.